Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Percival Constantine, who is a writer. Percival, how you doing? I'm doing good, Tim. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking, and we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Sure. Uh, So like you said, my name is Percival Constantine. I'm originally from the Chicagoland area, and I've been a uh, published author since... Uh, 2007. But in addition to that, I wear a whole bunch of other hats. Uh, I'm a I'm a teacher. I'm a podcaster. Um, I I do some work with comic books. I'm starting to get into into artwork and um, and yeah, and uh, writing a lot of books that I write. Mostly I do action type stuff. Lately, I'm doing uh, urban fantasy novels. And as for what I like to do for fun, um, I like watching movies, uh, especially uh, superhero movies. That's my podcast is all about, actually. And also enjoy drawing for fun, uh, playing video games, just those kinds of things. Okay. Okay. Love it. What what video games? Uh, these days, pretty much I'm just all PlayStation. I uh, haven't yet sprung on a PS5 because I don't have the time, unfortunately. But yeah. um, I'm slowly working through a bunch of games that I've picked up on discount over the years with uh with two kids though it can be difficult to find the time i gotcha i gotcha no kids do make things uh, a little bit more difficult mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> awesome so tell us a little bit more about your motivation actually tell us what got you on to urban fantasy you said urban fantasy yeah yeah so um i was always a big fan of uh so for anyone who doesn't know urban fantasy it's basically you know stuff that take like urban fantasy type stuff uh it's it's uh real world situations more or less or like modern day situations set in modern day cities um but using bringing in fantasy elements so if you think about things like buffy the vampire slayer or uh uh the underworld uh series of movies or anything like that where you've got these fantasy elements supernatural would be another one to an extent too these fantasy the Avengers would be more superhero, not so much. Urban fantasy is much more like using magic and that kind of stuff. I got you. Um, although Doctor Strange would be one of those that kind of toes the line a little bit. Yep. Um, but yeah, any type of situation where there's this fantasy element to the world that coexists alongside the real world. So, um, And I got into that because, well, when I was, uh, when I was a teenager, I, I was a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and um and I've always been interested in those types of characters and those types of worlds and a few years ago I was looking for kind of a change in my writing trying to try something different and I had this character that I had come up with during a bout of uh writer's block years before that I'd never really done anything with so I decided to uh start writing novels with him and series turned out to be a hit and that series went on for six books uh i just completed a spinoff series which was five books and now i'm beginning work on uh, a third series set in the same universe so you've written 11 books 
in that in that universe, yes. But all together with all my stuff, I've written about thirty books. You've written thirty books. You look like you're yeah. thirty years old. <laughs> thirty nine today, actually. I gotcha. I gotcha. That is a very um. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm just the word is completely <laughs> um, admirable career as a writer. Like a lot of writers don't get up to that many books. It depends. Um, I'm I'm in the indie publishing space. Uh, so in that, you definitely have to put out a lot of product to kind of stay relevant. So what I've done since uh, 2007, so that's in the past, you know, what, 15 years or something like that. It's it's not high compared to what other people have done. Like there, it's it's a it's a respectable number, but there are definitely people who in the same amount of time have written a lot more books than me. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to be churning out like two, three books a year at your rate, right? I'm doing about two to three a year. Um, but there are some people who turn out as many as six to 12 a year. That'd be one book a month. Yeah, there are some people who do that. That is insanity. Yeah, yeah. I was able to get there was one year I'd managed to get out a book a month, but I was just it was a pace that I could not have kept up with. Now I've, I've kind of settled into about two or three a year. Ideally, I would like to get up to like four to six if I could, but two to three is what I've been able to manage right now. Yeah. How much time do you spend writing every day? Um, When I'm in the middle of a project, I try to spend about an hour or two a day writing. And that usually gets me to anywhere between 1000 to 2000 words, which is usually how I measure my, my output. So uh, my books tend to be a little bit shorter in length. They run about 50,000 words or so. And usually I can produce one in about two to three months or so, roughly depending on, you know, how much I'm able to get done in a day, because with day jobs, especially, they can be difficult to, and like I said before, two kids, it can be difficult to find the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are you getting to a point in your career where the earnings from being an author will re replace your day job or you kind of got to stay consistent for the next five, 10 years still? I still got to stay consistent with um, the day job. I've definitely had points where it did get that high, but they tend to have been more outliers than anything else. And um, and the publishing industry is so uh it, it's it's so flexible things are always changing like you could make you know you can make five thousand dollars one month and the next month you could be making only a hundred dollars so yeah. um that kind of instability makes it really hard to kind of depend on it as uh, a full-time income so even if i do get to the point where my earnings are consistently making that much um a lot of people i know who have made that jump to full-time author they they say that what you should do is you know, don't try to make that jump until you have like at least two years worth of savings um, to to be able to kind of sustain yourself. Um, and I'm definitely not at that point yet. And I'm not sure if even if I got to that point, if I would stop teaching completely, because I do love teaching, I would I would probably cut back more than anything else. I gotcha. I gotcha. OK, well, tell us about your motivation now. What gets you up and keeps you going every day? Um, I've always just really love storytelling. Uh, even ever since I was a little kid, you know, um, playing with my action figures and stuff, acting out little stories with, um, with my toys. Um, when I was in elementary school, I would fill, you know, my parents buy me notebooks to use in class and I just fill them with stories <laughs> instead of actually taking notes in class. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, yeah, I just always loved telling stories. And when I was in um, in in high school, uh, I started writing online fan fiction, and that introduced me to to more writers and helped helped teach me more about the craft and everything. And then eventually, at some point, uh, I decided, you know, I I kind of want to do this for a living if I could if I could manage that and. My goal for the longest time was uh, was actually just comic book writing. That was kind of where I got my start. That was what first got me interested in storytelling. And then one day, um, uh, a buddy of mine, Derek Ferguson, who sadly passed away a few years ago, uh, he was um, he had written some uh, novels himself, uh, independently published. And he said to me one day, he's like, I'm expecting you to write a novel one day. And in my mind, novels was always something that, you know, that's serious writing right that's like people who are writing like high high literature and that kind of stuff that's not for my kind of thing where i'm writing like this kind of like action adventure pulpy kind of stuff um but that was the kind of stuff he was writing and he was putting it out in books and so once he said that i kind of thought well, you know what? i'll give it a try then and and yeah I, I wrote a novel and been doing it ever since basically i gotcha i gotcha I'm curious. Um, you said your friend passed, right? Yeah, he passed a few years ago. He was uh, actually my co-host on the uh, on my podcast for for about the first sixty episodes of it. I got you. I got you. Um, has that inspired any of your um, urban fantasy? Like a part of that, at least. Uh, not so much. Not not his passing. I was already well into writing those books when he passed. Um. Although the idea for the character did kind of come a little bit from his inspiration, um, or at least my first character that kind of spun off this universe. Uh, he uh, he was the author of a series of books called uh, uh, called the Dylan series, and his um, and his main character was um, uh, a black action adventurer, kind of in the mold of James Bond or uh, Doc Savage or those types of characters, Indiana Jones. And my main character, Luther Cross, um, is a black paranormal investigator. And so a lot of there were definitely some aspects of Dylan that ended up making into Luther's DNA originally, along with a whole lot of other stuff. There's definitely some stuff from, you know, John Constantine in there from the um, uh, and a bunch of other stuff mixed in, too. But that was uh, certainly an aspect of it, I think, that I was reading his books a lot of the time when I, when the character just kind of first kind of appeared to me in my head. So I think he was definitely in some small way, um, an influence on it. I gotcha. I gotcha. Awesome. Well, just curious if you know this answer or not, what really separates authors like yourself who are very, very experienced with the craft of writing and then Authors like Stephen King, like, is it a difference in skill level or is it a difference in marketing? Uh, that's a good question. Um, there are so many factors that go into whether or not an author is successful. And it's it's a combination of it's a combination of talent. It's a combo combination of um, persistence. Uh, I mean, if you've ever read, I'm not sure if you've ever read Stephen King's uh, book on writing but it's part memoir part writing book and and in it he talks a lot about 
his persistence. Like that's not, that's a theme that runs all throughout the book. And when he had first started writing, I think when he was a teenager, he 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 talked about how he, when he got his first rejection letter, he he hit a he put a, a nail in his wall and then he stuck the rejection letter on it. And then every rejection letter he got, he stuck on that nail. And eventually the weight of the rejection letters was more than the nail could support. So he had to replace it with the spike. Um, and so, I mean, that, and that, that shows you like just his persistence and how he just would not stop. And so persistence is obviously a big part of it. Like if you're not willing to actually do the work, then you're not going to get anywhere. But beyond that, it's, there's obviously talent, right? You're not going to get anywhere if you're not, if you're not good at what you're doing. Um, but also, and I think a lot of people who are successful uh, don't or underestimate just how much luck plays a part in it as well. Yeah. Like you can, you can be really persistent. You can, you know, publish, you know, a hundred books and uh, or send out a hundred query letters and you, and none of them can make a splash, right? So it it's marketing is also a big part of it, especially in the indie space and increasingly even in the traditional space too, I think. Um, so yeah, it's just that it's just that right combination of things. And sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Like that luck can be a bitch with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It seems like he got pretty lucky. I what was the book that really popped off? Was it Carrie? I believe so. Yeah, I think it was Carrie was the one he had done. I think he'd gotten a bunch of short stories and stuff like that published before that. But Carrie was the first novel that he sold, I believe. Yeah. And I think I, I read I read most of the book. I think I read like 80 percent of it. And he said that his agent just called him. And it's like, you're basically a millionaire now. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> what happened. And his like knees buckled and stuff. And I was like, man, it really is just. Luck is a huge factor of success just across the board. Yeah, yeah. Like even um, well, also he was writing in when he got started. He was he was writing at a very different time back when you could make that. I'm not so sure if a writer starting out now could expect like that kind of same success in traditional publishing, just because the the market is so different now than when it was in the 70s. Mm, yeah, yeah. What about self publishing? Is there still potential there? I guess with a big. Enough- oh yeah. Yeah, there's definitely. In fact, I'd say it's the the problem with self-publishing is that it's this is where you definitely have to be a workhorse in it. Like if you're if you're putting out one book a year or something like that, or if you're like you're you're not going to get much traction, um, you definitely have to be putting out a lot of books, like two or three books a year. I'd say would be the minimum if you want to have any kind of success in it, because the readers, especially in the indie space, like they, they're monster readers. Like they go through books, they go through like two or three books a week. So you just got to keep putting out content. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. At that point you would need like a book, a book a month. Yeah. Yeah. Cause otherwise, um, you know, cause these, especially with things like the Kindle unlimited program, which is basically Netflix for books, right? You pay Amazon, you know, I think it's like 10 bucks a month. You can read as many books in their catalog as you want. So, I mean, those readers, they go through a ton of books. Like they're just constantly reading. So um, unless you're one of those authors that really kind of stands out, like then it's very easy for you to get forgotten <laughs> when they're reading so many books. I got you. I got you. Well, now we're going to jump into your dreams and goals. Mm-hmm. 
So what is your vision for your life and your career? Um, I mean, ideally, even though I said that I probably would never go completely full time and stop teaching, ideally, I would like to get to a, a space where I can, you know, instead of teaching five days a week, like only teaching like maybe two or three days a week would be nice. Um, giving me more time to spend with my family, more time to just kind of relax a little bit. Uh, and in terms of what I would like to do, like I would love to see some of my characters make the jump from books to other mediums. Like I'm trying to get into, I'm trying to do, I've done comics before, but I'm trying to do a little bit more work in the comic space. Um, I'd love to see, you know, something like a, a TV show or a movie based on some of my characters. Um, but yeah, basically just kind of, expanding my range and being able to try different things. I think it'd also be fun to work on some licensed stuff where, you know, I'm working on creations that someone else made. Like I said, I got started in fanfic. So that was always kind of an appeal of being able to write, you know, the challenge of being able to write characters that I didn't create that I don't have full control over is something that also would be fun to do. I gotcha. I gotcha. And so is the thing holding you back from teaching two to three days per week, the two years in savings and a more consistent monthly revenue. I'd say so. I say that's a big part of it. Um, <clears throat> for a while, a big part of it was also just, I live in Japan. So a big part of it was also just work visa stuff, but now that I'm married, I've got a family here. That's a different situation. But um, yeah, I think that would probably be the biggest thing. Uh, plus there's also an element of, especially in the indie publishing space like you if you want to be that kind of full-time writer like you've you've basically got to wear more of a publisher hat than just a writer hat and a lot of the business side of, <clears throat> excuse me a lot of the business side of stuff just does not appeal to me and having to do that full-time is also something where it's just like uh i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah no that makes a lot of sense Makes a lot of sense. Well, awesome. If there were one or two people that you can meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take the next step towards these dreams and goals, who would they be and how would they help you? See, I saw this question there and I was trying to think. <laughs> would be a good song. Um, to be honest, I had such a hard time trying to think of a, of a good answer to this, but I think someone in a position where they would be um, someone who'd be in a position where they would be able to, to help shepherd my work or, or my writing to another level. And that could be a, a producer that could be um, a director that could be a publisher, like any of those types of things. Like I, it's hard for me to think of one, a specific person, but more of a type of person. I mean, if I was going to think about someone that I would just like to meet in general, um, I would love to meet James Gunn. Like, I think uh, I, I just did an episode about uh, uh, we just recorded an episode about uh, Peacemaker, the HBO TV series he did. And just talking about his work and just his approach to creating, I think I would just really like to to kind of pick his brain a little bit. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Sounds good. Well, what are the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to help you accomplish your dreams and goals? So you meet Sally at the grocery mm -hmm. store and you're like, Sally, here's how you can help me. 
how they could help me personally or how they could help themselves. How they can help you. You're like, okay, I'm trying to replace my job, mm -hmm. go part time. Here's how you can help me. So the two biggest things they could do is, um, well, first off, go over to percivalconstantine.com, uh, pick up one of my books. A bunch of them are available for free, actually. There's a bunch of uh, free content there you can get. And uh, that'd be one thing you could do to help me. Another thing is just kind of help spread the word. Like, And I think this is this is an aspect that I think all reader, all writers talk about this, but I don't think all readers have quite internalized Um review the stuff you like to read. Like if, if you read a book, you love it. Don't just hit the, like on Kindle, they give you an option to hit like five stars or whatever. Don't just choose a star rating, but also write a review. Like, and it doesn't have to be long. Do you even like, you know, you know, a paragraph, right? Three to five sentences is all you need to, that can help um, spread the word about stuff. You know, any kind of way that you can help out an author one of the best ways you can help out an author is not just by buying their books but by reviewing stuff and talking about it on on social media like you know hey, hey just even if you've only got you know 10 followers on, on twitter or instagram or whatever just anything like that can be um, a huge help because you never know which of those 10 people will read that and then pass it on and then pa and they'll pass it on so even anything like that can really help a lot yeah yeah, no, absolutely. I um I've been experiencing that with the podcast. I think we've done like 280, 290 episodes like published or something like that or mm -hmm. at least that's how many we have in the bank. And I'm like I have I have nine reviews on Apple and I think over 3800 people have tuned in to mm -hmm. an episode, right? So I'm like I'm on average getting 10 plays per episode and I have nine reviews. I'm like if you guys just gave me a review, like it would help get the message out so much. I get like a, I'm getting like a hundred listens per episode, and I'm and I'm up to like, um, I think we just released one twelve yesterday, and I've got three written reviews on Apple. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's like, man, if you reviews run so deep, and mm -hmm. the longest time I was stuck at like three or four reviews, and I was getting like four plays an episode and then the reviews jumped up and it doubled my plays and i'm like i bet yeah. if i got more reviews it would again double my plays yeah so, <laughs> it's just funny. It, it, it's it's that eternal problem that that uh that guys like us face is um you know when we're doing this in, on a very small scale like any little bit we can get you know we're just like i'm i've 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 sat there and i've refreshed like the apple reviews page like okay come on come on come yeah. on come on <laughs> yeah I'm almost to the point I, i'm a sales guy i'm a business guy i love business mm -hmm. of like just calling people up and be like hey please go listen to my podcast and drop a review <laughs> <laughs> like just one-on-one -on -one attention um just the podcast space is especially is especially difficult because um at least with one of the nice things about books is that it is much easier to to advertise i think as in comparison to podcasts because uh, Amazon makes it very easy to advertise for a low cost. Uh, Facebook makes it really easy to advertise for a pretty low cost. But advertising a podcast is so much more difficult. Like I've looked at, you know, I use the Overcast app when I listen to to my podcasts, and you know they got those little ads at the at the bottom, and I've checked those, and it's like, oh, we'll give you, yeah, we'll sell you an ad for like you know five hundred bucks or something like that. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> yep, 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 and that's only worth it. I mean, if you're going to get 
direct ROI on your marketing. Like, if you're yeah. like I'm going to spend this 500 and make 800, 300 profit, golden. But if it's mm. like a podcast and it's genuinely free, there's no business on the back end, there's not ads. It's like, right. man, <laughs> that's kind of rough. Mm. But um, yeah, so guys, review everybody's stuff. Drop us a five-star review on iTunes. Go review Percival's books <laughs> and his podcast as well. Get him up to uh, a f- four written reviews. Yeah. Like, maybe five. Let's <laughs> maybe go crazy. Five. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, awesome. Now we're going to jump to our thriving three. And the first question is, what is your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. So um, favorite podcast that I'm listening to now is, and this is um, this is definitely on the nerdy side, but uh, it's, called, it's a podcast called Digging for Kryptonite, and it's all about uh, exploring Superman as a, as a character. And I've actually ended up, I'm actually in, just the other day, I recorded an episode uh, guest starring on the show. So I'll be on it. I think you said it's coming out, this episode's coming out in December. Um, but, um, it's hosted by Anthony Desiato, who's uh, a really great host, really great guy in general. And it's this fascinating exploration of Superman across his existence, across, um, across media. Like, so he's gone into the golden age, the original comics. He's talked about, um, all the different movies, the TV shows, the, even like the old, you know, George Reeves show from the, from the fifties. Uh, I think he said he's also doing some episodes on the radio show animated series. So if you like Superman, it's a really fascinating exploration of how the character has changed over time and how he's been depicted in in all these different media. And it's given me a, I mean, I've always liked Superman, but it's given me a whole new respect for it, for the character. And it's made me seek out um, these other things about the character that I probably otherwise would never have checked out. Like I never thought I would read the original comics from the 1940s, but after listening to his episode, I got really curious and I ended up buying a collection of them. So uh, that's probably um, my favorite right right at the moment. There we go. That's so cool. That (laughs) is just a completely foreign world to me. Like I didn't, in my head, podcasts are like solely self-improvement and that's such a small section of podcasts. Oh yeah. Like there are podcasts on everything. So uh, digging for kryptonite. There we go. And yeah. what is one way you like to take care of yourself? Um, taking time off. Like there's uh, I think one of the problems when you're do- working in this kind of creative realm and you're kind of doing things on your own or any kind of like, I think remote kind of work where you're working from home, that line between the, the personal and the professional it, it 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 gets very blurry and so it's very easy to just keep pushing and pushing and being like and then going until it's like oh crap it's seven o'clock at night and i'm still sitting in front of the computer working and so i think whereas when you're when i'm working at you know when i'm teaching my classes it's like okay you know class is over my classes are done for the day i can get in my car i can go home but when you're sitting at your desk and you're working, it's very easy to just say, oh, I'll just work a little bit longer. I'll work a little bit longer. So making a conscious effort to just step away is is huge, I think. And I think it's um, an aspect that a lot of people in our area don't really take as seriously as they should. Like just like, especially when you're struggling, like, you know, just stop and take a break. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I completely agree. I am. Um, I'm the first one. Like my fiance has been out of town uh, for the past week and mm-hmm. real business focused, trying mm-hmm. to build a business on the back of the podcast, trying to monetize stuff, trying to like, 
I have two goals in life, financial freedom for myself and my family, and then mm -hmm. working on alleviating poverty around the world. So, mm -hmm. uh, really trying to, so, so really, really small goals, right? Very easy to make. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there's only two. They're big. Yeah. Things, right? They cover, they cover the gamut. Um, but yeah, I I'll be working at like 10 PM, 11 PM, just like, mm -hmm. cause I don't really have a life outside of like, <laughs> yeah and like my fiance so that's that i love it but it does get like wow my eyes hurt from looking at a screen so much yeah Let's yeah take a walk. <laughs> yeah absolutely like um i mean well you know like i said i live in japan we've got we've got hot springs everywhere here so that's one thing that's also just been um like my wife did that the other day she's like can you watch the kids tonight for just a for just an hour so i can just go to a hot spring and i said yeah sure and then after she went i'm like you know what that actually sounds really good i think i'm gonna do that tomorrow then and just something like that was just you know it, it's it we don't think so much how much just stopping and not doing anything can be very effective absolutely absolutely well now we're going to go to the antithesis of stopping and not doing anything <laughs> What is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet James Gunn? Um, well, I think getting to that point would be tough, but um, I think it's more like tangentially related as opposed to directly related. But I think one of the things that I would... I suck at organization, right? That's one of the things that I'm terrible at. Like I've tried all these different organization apps, all these different books and stuff. And I am so type B, it would, I, I would probably make a type A's head melt because I'm just like so chaotic in like my management of stuff. Finding some way to crack that egg and being able to um, have better management skills, I think would be what I could do. Um, and that's, that's like been my eternal challenge. Like my, if, if you, you can't see it right now on this camera, but if you could see my desk right now, you would probably, your head would probably explode. Cause it's just like, things are just a total mess. Do you think it's a, do you think it's a natural thing? Do you think it's a coping thing? I think it's a natural thing. Like, cause I've tried really hard. I've made consistent efforts to like I, a few years ago, I read, um, I can't remember the author's name, but the book titled uh, getting things done, which is like this famous, like time management book. And there's an app that, that was made that was specifically based on what that book talks about called OmniFocus. So I bought OmniFocus and I've, <clears throat> and, and I've worked hard at it. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to stick to this. I'm going to stick to this. And then within like, three or four months it's just like slip 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 and then i'm back to chaos so it's just it's very much a natural thing like every time i've tried to get more organized it all it all eventually falls apart it's it's a it's a huge mindset shift i think that my mind is just not capable of i got you i got would you say you're comfortable <laughs> in the chaos yeah yeah i think I, I would i mean there are definitely times when there's too much stuff and I'm like, Oh shit, I forgot to do this, this, and this. But for the most part, I do find the chaos more comforting when I see <clears throat> I'm, I'm someone that if I see like those, there's all this stuff to do. My brain just kind of like turns off. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. So do you like the freedom of the chaos? Is that kind of, I think so. I think that's going? probably, I think that's probably a big part of it. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Cool. Cool. Uh, what was I going to say? What was I going to say? Um, 
So you like the chaos, but sometimes you're like, ooh, I forgot to do some stuff that's important. You really mm. like the freedom of the chaos. Have you ever read the minimalist books? Uh, I think I've heard of them, but I haven't read them before. Yeah, I really hated having a calendar when I was in college. I'm only 23, so this wasn't too long. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I hated having a calendar when I was in college because it was full of stuff that I didn't want to do. <laughs> yeah. And so at some point, somebody looked at me and they're like, Timmy, how can you not love having a calendar? I love having a calendar because I protect the things that I want to do. And then mm. I, it allows me to um, not do the things that I don't want to do or um, kind of get them done faster. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge mindset shift for me. It's like you can be organized and that organization can produce that freedom that you love. Mm-hmm. So maybe you love chaos and that's just you. But I was I'm type A and just hated a calendar. Mm-hmm. because it took my freedom so then when i was like oh i can do stuff that i love to do and i'm free to do that that gave me it empowered me yeah that that's i think that's a def, uh, part of it but i think it's just it's more that type b side of things like i just yeah. I, I i tend to thrive in chaos too like ever since i was in in school like even even back then i i was always the guy who would write an essay the night before it was due and get an a on it so. i got you i got you yeah. Hey, more power to you. There's nothing wrong with chaos if that's what you love. But if it's like part of you doesn't want to be there, then it's like, okay, well, let's. It, that is the part. That is the problem. It's that part of me that doesn't want to be. That's why I'm saying like, there's that, there's that push and pull. Like there's that part of me that's always like, you can do better that you can find a better way to do this. And, and I know there is a better way. I just quite ha- haven't quite found that yet. That's enough. And it bleeds over and all, even with my writing, there's the whole debate with writing, um, with writing fiction, if you plan things out or if you just kind of fly by the seat of your pants, just kind of write as, you know, just, just write. And that whole, that push and pull too thing has also been a problem. There have been times when I'm like, okay, I got this structure. I've got this all mapped out and I get in the book and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just go this direction. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that. Um, do you feel like if it were just you on the planet, and you were alone. Now, this is a hard to imagine, but I'm trying to get rid of other people's mm. expectations with this question. Do you think you would still come to the conclusion if other people's expectations weren't around you that there's a better way than the chaotic way? Or would you still pick the chaotic way? Um, Without other people I, telling you this yeah. is optimal, you'll be more successful if you do this, this, and this. I mean, no, I think I just fully embrace the chaos in that case. Yeah. Well, I think you should fully embrace the chaos then. I really, (laughs) I I don't think there's a better way for you to function if that's the case. Mm -hmm. Maybe it takes more thought. Maybe it doesn't. But if that's the case, man, being your most authentic self will always produce the best result Mm -hmm. 100% of the time. Yeah, I I agree with that too. Um, I think, I think there is a, um, I do think there is a way, I think there's, there's a better, there's some sort of balance I think would be better for me though. Um, but I do, I do definitely see that point as well, too. I feel that. I feel that. Well, we got our last couple of questions here. Now, they require a lot of pretext. I did not send these questions beforehand, and they're difficult questions. So if you don't okay. have an answer, feel free to say, I don't know. Okay. No pressure, because I don't have an answer. That's why I'm asking them. <laughs> so a lot of people have come on the podcast, and they said that the catalyst that helps people change from having a fixed mindset not willing to accept help and not willing to accept change to having a growth mindset, B 
being willing to accept help and being willing to accept change, the catalyst that helps people make that switch is a personal choice that happens after either extreme inspiration or extreme desperation. Do you agree, disagree, have anything to add or subtract? Um, I'd agree. I think that makes a lot of sense. And especially from what I've seen, I think there's, there's definitely an element of truth there. That's also been one of my things is I hate asking for help. I've always been very much, you know, self-sufficient. So, and the whole idea of networking, like I, I hate it. I just hate it. it, it <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm so type B and I'm so um, introverted that the whole idea of introduce pitching yourself to people, it just like, it, it makes, it makes me feel like a used car salesman. Um, but yeah, I think I can definitely, I think that def, there's definitely a lot to that. Like you have, <clears throat> you need, I think you need, if you're, if you're not able to make that change from, I think you need some sort of trigger to really kind of push you into, into changing that. So yeah, I'd agree with that. I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. Really? You don't like networking. I don't. Oh God. I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate, I, I'm very much not a people person. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Hey, I feel that I'm pretty introverted too. I can network to a degree. Like mm. when I ask people these questions, dreams and goals, and kind of have the ability to hold them accountable to it. I can talk to you all day. Mm. Outside of that conversation, you have about three minutes with me. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Same here. Yeah. So I, I can, I can vibe with it. I can vibe with it. Oh, for loving to do stuff alone, there's a book called Who Not How. Who Not How. Maybe check it out. out. It's one of those, um, I'd say it's part of success literature, and it talks a lot about finding your genius zone and then staying mm. in staying in what you really love to do and finding the people around you to do all the other ancillary stuff. Mm -hmm. So like, I know you don't like the business side of writing, but if you found a partner who did the business side and you did a profit share or something, something right. like that, you know what I mean? Um, great book. Great book. Awesome. Well, given that same amount of extreme inspiration and extreme desperation, why do you think some people make the choice to change and others don't? Oh, that's, that's a really tough one. Um, this is one of the ones I probably have to say, I don't know, because I think it would depend so much on the individual circumstances. I mean, in some cases it could be um, having that fixed mindset. In some cases it could be just a lack of imagination, right? Not being able to see a different way of doing something. Um, some cases it could just be stubbornness, right? Some people just like, you know, this is my thing. I don't want to change. And that's just, that's just how they are. So I, I don't know. I think it, I think it really depends on the individual. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I, completely agree it's all about that personal choice right so right yeah it's a personal reason why you don't make that personal choice exactly yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh well some people need a smaller amount of inspiration or desperation to change and others need a larger more consistent amount mm -hmm. what do you think establishes that threshold and can it be influenced again i think it would depend on the individual um uh, in both, in both, it would depend on the individual. I think it, uh, what amount would depend on the individual person. Um, and sorry, what was the other part of the question? What do you think establishes the threshold of how much inspiration mm -hmm. or desperation they need? And can that threshold be influenced by outside that factors, whether that be people, culture, community? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I think yes, um, and it, it would depend how much of that. There's a degree with that for each individual person, I think. But yeah, I think it 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 could definitely be influenced um, by external factors as well, um, by other people. Um, and you know, some people they would need that that hard push, like hitting some kind of wall. Other people could just be simple as like you know, I'm just kind of going along, and then I then someone says something and like, oh yeah, that's that's exactly what I needed to hear. So it it depends so much on the individual i think yeah absolutely we got one last question for you so for this question keep in mind a person with a fixed mindset not willing to accept help not willing to accept mm -hmm. change in atomic habits james clear talks about the four laws of changing your behavior and the laws are to make it obvious make it attractive make it easy and make it satisfying mm -hmm. with with that context in mind and the avatar I just told you to keep in your head, how can we, you and I, create an environment that makes it more obvious, more attractive, more easy, and more satisfying for that person, that avatar, to make the choice that will change their life? I think a big part of it is just the way our society is structured um in this kind of like hyper capitalist society i think it's very hard for people to want to pursue what they want to do as opposed to um as opposed to what they have to do to you know make a living make rent you know put food on the table and all that um i think if we were able to to free ourselves from that if we were able to have people have like a baseline of support i think that would be probably the best thing that we could do, at least as, as a society. I know individually it's a different story, but because um, I think once you have that baseline, of, and, and, you know, studies have done like people who have, there's no difference in like happiness level from the people who have, um, have just enough to make, to, you know, to live comfortably versus those who have more, right? There's no difference in happiness level. They're, they're just as happy. Once you have those basic needs let, met, everything else after that is just, you know, is just, you know, additional stuff. So I think if we could meet those basic needs to begin with, I think it would make it a whole lot easier for people to, to do the things they love. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, hence my goal. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, that, because like I said, you know, I love writing, I love creating, but it's the business side of things that just, you know, drives me nuts. I would, I would love to just be able to, to sit here and, and write books and put them out on my own schedule and, and just put them out in the world. And then if people buy them, that'd be great. But if, but right now there's, there's so much pressure on, you know, I have to sell it. I have to make, you know, this much money. I have to try to increase sales this much. So there's a lot more pressure on the creative process, which, for some people that's good. Um, but for other people, it can be, it can, it can actually make it like, I've seen a lot of writers burn out because of that, because it's just like that constant pressure to, to put out more content, to put out content in a specific genre or niche and all that. And, and I've known lots of writers who have just burned out. Like they just couldn't keep up with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. It is a, uh, yeah, the marketplace is not very forgiving. No, it's not. It's definitely not. And I think that's that's a problem. That's it should be more forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of uh I've spent time trying to think of a better system and I haven't been able to come up with one though. The I mean, I think sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say the best one I came up with is kind of like a 
socialistic capitalism where it's like you have capitalism so it's the mm. free market but then people choose to help each other on such a big scale that everybody's baseline needs are met right. but then i'm like there are people who just run to stuff like drug addiction or mm. they just have mindset problems and they're going to be crappy people and they're going to have crappy attitudes mm. and all that stuff and i'm like well how do we solve that which is why I'm, i've been asking these questions yeah. but what, what, what were you gonna say so um I think like a, a kind of, I think a, a democratic socialist system, which is kind of like, it would be kind of like a mix. Like if you look at what the, the Scandinavian countries do, I think is, is a really good model to start with. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I think it like some sort of like UBI, you know, universal basic income, something like that, where you have like a baseline where people's basic needs are met. Like, I believe that, you know, food, shelter, healthcare, these things should be basic human rights that everybody should have access to they should i mean if you can't make rent if you lose your job i don't think that that means that you should be kicked out of your house or you should have to have to struggle to find a way to eat or anything like that i think these are basic things that everybody should that these are basic necessities that everybody should have um and yeah there's always going to be some subset of the population who takes to squanders it right goes to extremes but but even in this situation now, when you look at drug addiction, I think is a good example. Um, if you actually look at the statistics, uh, do you know what percentage of the population that uses drugs actually has an addiction problem? I have no idea. 15%, like 10 to 15%. And, and a lot of those addiction problems, they're related not to the drug like the the addiction is more caused by emotional things unrelated problems. right emotional problems uh social issues uh you know abuse anything like that and with so there are a lot of other and those things can also be caused by things like like stress by um uh poverty by by crime and all of those things are very much influenced by and i think a lot of those other problems could be taken care of in in other ways so i think if we had provided that that baseline of support i think you would all you're always going to have <clears throat> some population that's going to be an asshole right there's always going to be that population <clears throat> but i think we over i think a lot of people overestimate how large that segment of the population is yeah yeah no i got you well awesome i i think i um i think i basically agree the democratic socialism i don't know if i want it to be a political thing i more want it to be a kind out of the kindness of our hearts as a society like mm. we take advantage of capitalism to make it kind of a baseline everybody which is very idealistic of me <laughs> because people are people it sounds like it'd be more like an maybe like an anarcho-capitalist system or something along those lines um i, I have no idea what that means <laughs> it's it, well uh it it I'm thinking more about some, something more related to anarchy, which is often misinterpreted as just like, but it, it's more like people help. Anarchy is more based on community-based support and like people helping each other as opposed to relying on the state to do it. Mm. Then yes, I, I would say I, I more lean towards that than relying mm. on the state is just where I'm at. But same result. Yeah. As long yeah. as we get to the result, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty much good. Well, awesome. Percival, do you have anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? 
Uh, just want to let people know that, you know, if you're interested in checking out any of my, my books, uh, my website is percivalconstantine.com. As I said, there's, um, uh, most of my books are available on, uh, the urban fantasy stuff is all exclusive to Amazon and ebook form. And that means you can get it. If you're, if you're a Kindle unlimited subscriber, you could get those as part of your subscription. My other, a lot of my other books, they're available on all the platforms and, those would tend to be um, the first book in the series would generally be free. So if you go to percivalconstantine.com, you can find out, you know, which ones are available to you, which ones are free, which ones are part of that subscription program. All that information is there. I write in urban fantasy. I've also written mystery, uh, action adventure, superhero, horror. So tons of different stuff there. Uh, also, if you're interested in the podcast, we talk about superhero movies and, um, uh, as the time of this recording, the episode that just released, we went back and we looked at Thor the Dark World. Um, but we've talked about, you know, the whole range of stuff. We've gone, you know, from the big stuff like Avengers Endgame, the stuff that nobody's ever heard of, like Avar, the first black Superman, which came out back in 1978. And there was like this really kind of low budget uh, superhero film. Um, so if you're interested in, in that, that is at SuperheroCinephiles.com or it's available on all the podcast platforms. There we go. Love it. Well, Percival, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Of course. And you guys heard him. All the ways to reach out to him will be down in the show notes. If you like his books, go check him out. Let's leave him reviews everywhere. Books, podcasts, on this podcast. <laughs> um, and yeah. Go ahead and shoot this podcast over to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Give us a five-star review on iTunes, and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.